This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Today, we're bringing back our friends from Management Concepts to discuss the evolving federal acquisition workforce. We're going to break down trends in federal acquisition, new learning tools to improve the workforce, and how Management Concepts is rethinking acquisition workforce training. Uh, and I want to introduce my guests before we dive into this conversation today. Uh, first, we have Robert Bob Doherty. He's the Acquisition and Contracting Product Director at Management Concepts. And he has a career marked by extensive experience with acquisition leadership positions in both the civilian government and on the DOD side, um, serving in roles as the Director of Acquisition Career Management in the Secretary of Defense and for the Fourth Estate. Uh, as well as the Dean of the Defense Acquisition University. Uh, And he's continued to be involved in this space, including today uh, over at Management Concepts. Welcome back to the program, Bob. Glad to be with you here again. Thanks, Jason. Good to be with you again. And our other guest here today is uh, Melissa Storinsky. She's the managing member at Storinsky LLC, and she also has a long acquisition experience within the federal government, serving as a career senior executive service member, the director and head of contracting activity within the Centers for Medicare Services, uh, the Office of Acquisition and Grants Management. Before that, Melissa was also director of the Federal Acquisition Institute, FII, uh, an organization that promotes career development and strategic human capital management for the acquisition workforce. Earlier in career, she she also spent time in the private sector as an acquisition workforce consultant. Uh, Welcome to the program, Melissa. Thank you, Jason. Happy to be here with you. And we're really thrilled to have uh, these two seasoned veterans who have seen it from both sides of the fence uh, here today on Fed Talk. Uh, Before we dive into our program, I want to remind our listeners that Fed Talk is sponsored by the Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. Members get fully covered in-network preventative care, including up to three covered cleanings a year, plus no deductibles for in-network services like fillings and root canals. You can visit vcbsfepdental.com to learn more. Well, Bob, we had you here on Fed Talk earlier this year when you were launching the uh, Acquisition Gateway and your new training program for acquisition workforce professionals. And I, I kind of want to kick off the program by just bringing you back to remind us what that program and that initiative is. What's what's different about it? And I think as we go through the rest of this conversation today, uh, we're going to pull on some of those threads of uh, how are you all at management concepts? How is the government thinking about uh, the needs and skills of the acquisition workforce so that it can deliver on a, a really huge and important mission for agencies and for our country? Sure, Jason. So if you remember back uh, to when we last talked, uh, what we were launching was a, a cohort based training activity for the federal workforce. And, and the reason it was so important is that typically you don't see cohort-based training until much later in your career. Uh, This is new because it's at the beginning of uh, acquisition and contracting professionals in the federal government, and it's an experientially-based training concept. So what we do in addition to giving workforce members the technical training that they need and have always needed uh, is, is to immerse them in a scenario where they have to make decisions. So they practice critical thinking and decision-making, collaboration, all the skills they'll need on the job, but heretofore have not had a chance to practice in a training environment. So 
we set them up uh, during the scenario with various points where they need to make decisions as a contracting professional to support, in this case, a mission to Mars and all the things that's necessary in order to colonize the surface of Mars. There's a lot of contracting activity that takes place from from product oriented contracting to services contracting and support. And the students, as they go through this cohort, will have to rely on their own research. They'll have to rely on the collaboration with their peers, and then they'll have to arrive at what they believe is the best decision for each episodic event that we place them in. This is revolutionary at this stage of their because they've never really had the chance to see this technical training in context and then practice the decisions that they'll have to make on the job. Now, there have been some agencies uh, in the past that have been very good at what we call OG training. Uh, and those, you know, if you happen to be fortunate enough to work for one of those agencies, you've got some good skills-based training. Part of the problem that we've got uh, in the acquisition workforce is that with the amount of work that most agencies have, there's less and less time for actual hands-on, on-the-job training. So something like career gateway acquisition becomes indispensable. It suffices and it, and it supplants that need for on-the-job training, at least at the beginning of the career. So that agencies who put their people kind of experiential cohort-based training will get what we might call a more fully loaded round coming into the beginning of their career where acquisition workforce members are better able to make decisions early on as opposed to have to keep running for help uh, you know, when they're faced with normal job scenarios. Thanks so much, Bob, for giving us that refresher. And as you were explaining this, well, I could see Melissa shaking her head, particularly as you're talking about kind of getting this experiential opportunity up front and particularly just the demands on people day to day. Where do you find the time and the space to step away and find that training? Melissa, anything else to add there? Yeah, no, I would say I think even more important now than ever because we're seeing so much virtual work, right? And I think a program like this for somebody that's you know brand new to the profession, whether they're changing career fields or they're fresh out of college, and by the way, they could also be a current student in college, um, to have an opportunity like this, cohort-based training, um, they've got they've got uh, resources uh, through the instructors that that are part of the program that can give them that real-time feedback, advice, coaching. Um, it, it's just a great program, um, and especially because we're virtual, I think it's even harder to start forging those relationships with your bosses, with your peers, with your customers. And so I think this program is a safe place for the student to learn, test things out, get coaching and feedback um, as, as they enter into the profession. They'll be much more prepared uh, to be able to hit the ground running uh, once once they start in the career field. And, you know, Jason, as a matter of fact, there's something really critical in what Melissa just said that training needs to provide, and it's that safe space, right? You've got to have the ability to try out new concepts, to see what kind of decisions you might make in that non-attributional safe environment, right? So you're going to do the same kinds of decisions that you would do on the job. So we mimic those very well within the program. Uh, and, and so students will get a chance to test out those concepts, to see how this technical training applies, to see what kind of research they have to do and how they have to rely on their uh, cohorts as they go through this in a normal job environment. And so the types of decisions that they'll make in this cohort are, are really real world type decisions, what it takes to support an acquisition. And then, you know, for our purpose, Tried to make it a little more interesting with the mission to Mars scenario, but no matter what it is that your agency does for work, these kinds of decisions ruminate through any any type of work environment. So um, we really tried to give it as realistic um, an approach as possible within that safe space. And, you know, Bob, I also wanted to highlight something that you said earlier as well. Um, I think the models of the past, as I reflect back on my career and certainly in the roles that I had as chancellor of the VA Acquisition Academy and the director of the Federal Acquisition Institute, the, the beginning of one's career was really heavily focused on the technical skills, 
what this program is doing is weaving in that soft skills training that's so integral in terms of the relationships that you have to navigate through in order to be able to do this work. So that's very different than the models of the past, giving that student much earlier exposure to those kinds of uh, skills uh, will really set them up for great success in this career field. No, absolutely. And, and Jason, make no mistake, we're not ignoring the technical training that these students need. It's just that in the past, I, I guess you could probably couch it as the training we all got in the past was more of a, a, a check the block kind of training when it came to making sure you covered the waterfront on the technical aspects of what you needed to know. We still do that. We just integrate that soft skills development that Melissa was talking about, teach people how to do critical thinking and actually frame decisions and make decisions, which is something that's been, been really needed in this space. And as a matter of fact, the General Services Administration and the Congressional Research Service have written about it for about a decade now that I'm aware of, that this kind of activity is missing in the training space. So we tried to cure that, come up with a program that fills that need. No, I really love that you all are emphasizing kind of these human skills, as, as I like to call them, and making sure that we're not waiting until people are very far in their career to start building those. Because like you said, they go hand in glove. Uh, and we're going to uh, pull the thread on that a bit more after our first break. And a word from our sponsor, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. What makes good vision coverage? I knew it when I saw it. Things like fully covered vision care exams for all members. Access to over 125,000 independent eye care providers and national retailers. Plus benefits you can use at many online retailers. That's why I chose Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision. And plans start as low as $12 a month. See what we can do for you at bcbsfepvision.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're here talking about the acquisition workforce with Melissa Storinsky and Bob Doherty for Management Concepts. And right before the break, we were talking about the evolving needs of the acquisition workforce and, and the what Congress uh, has long identified as the need to kind of integrate uh, not just the hard skills, how do you do it, but the, the how, the human skills, the interpersonal skills. And, and I wanted to continue on that conversation here, uh, Bob and Melissa, to talk about uh, the needs of not just the current acquisition workforce, but, but the future workforce. And what are some of those other trends driving this ongoing conversation uh, and, and what you're seeing out there for folks trying to meet that demand? Sure. I, I, you know, as we all know, the last couple of years um, under COVID, have, have really sort of changed the face of the workplace and it, it's changed how we do our work, right? And Melissa got into this a little bit before the break, but she talked about the fact that we're doing more virtual work than ever right now. And as a matter of fact, I, I see that trend continuing into the future. I don't think we're gonna get away from it. Uh, some people may return to the office, but virtual is here to stay. And that creates complications in and of itself, just in terms of staying connected and maybe collaborating and doing the work. So. There are new skill sets that are needed. And so this, this um, disjointed workforce, if you will, not all being co-located in the same space, brings about the, the need for new skills development. And it's not just technical skills, right? It's not just being able to know what the law states that you have to be aware of and what the regulations state that you have to be aware of, but you need to understand the context that goes into that. How do you apply these things, right? You can pull out a copy of the federal acquisition regulations, and if all you're doing at it for the first time, it's very daunting, right? It's a thick book or online. It's a, it's a thick stack of research online. But how do you take that? Because it allows so much flexibility and know when and where to apply it, you know, absent the prescriptive stuff that the law tells us we have to do. I think flexibility is one of the things that, that acquisition and contracting professionals are definitely going to need going into the future flexibility in how they look at the work, flexibility in the decisions they make, and also adaptable in terms of how they're able to collaborate with their peers. What do you think, Melissa? No, I, I agree. And I think what I'm seeing is there's clearly a need for speed, right? And, and getting new acquisition professionals up to speed as quickly as possible. As I reflect back again on my career, um, 
you know, probably really took a good five plus years to get the depth and breadth of experience to really build my competence and confidence, right? Where I felt like I could handle almost any kind of procurement. And I would say to this day, I continue to learn and, and grow and it's, it's a continuum. And so I think there's a need for speed. We don't have the luxury of waiting five years for a new acquisition professional to really be able to, to go it on their own. And so I think programs like Acquisition Career Gateway really gives that really great strong foundation to accelerate the time to proficiency. Um, it still needs to be supplemented. I, you know, I, I kind of am disappointed for the, the workforce coming into this profession because it's such an incredible career field, high impact. You can make a really great living doing it. I, I feel so blessed to have had this career, but I probably learned most of, uh, you know, what, what I, you know, learned over my career from peers, you know, standing around the water cooler. Um, and some of those peers are some of my best friendships that I have to this day. And those are the people that I pick up the phone and I say, hey, I'm really struggling on this issue. Um, do you have any advice? Can you help walk me through this, coach me through this? And again, I think the cohort-based learning models are going to be critically important for the future to, to really forge those relationships, whether it's virtual or in person. Um, I, I think that that is critical to be successful in this career field. You have to have a network of peers um, that you can rely on, that you can brainstorm with. And I think the cohort-based model is really brilliant in that regard. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you something else I noted in the in my past as well, Jason, in, in my involvement with training. And I've, I've been involved with acquisition and contracting for four decades now. I know I'm dating myself, but it's been four decades, actually. And I've been involved in the training space for all, more than half of that. And the one thing that I've, I've I've noticed, or one of the things I've noticed is that there's tends to be a loss in transfer of learning with the approaches to training that we try to obviate with, with gateway. And, and what I mean by that is, so you'll take a class, right? And it'll be on a specific focus to do with contracting. And then by the time you can register for the next class, which sometimes is months and, and, or longer in between when you get to take those classes, you lose some of that technical acumen that maybe you gained in that previous class uh, if it wasn't reinforced on the job, especially. And so what we tried to, to cure with Gateway is this, this cohort is a nine, approximate nine-month experience, which takes you through all the technical training you need in order to be certified as a contracting officer, at least under the present uh, construct in the Department of Defense. And we believe that the federal side is going to create a, a, a system that also emulates that. But what we do is we take you through the entire life cycle of a contract, which you've never been able to do in a training class before. So from the initial gathering of the requirements, right, which is why are we doing this in the first place? Why do we need a contract with somebody? All the way through the closeout of that contract when all the performance is done and how we wrap it up administratively. And very few contracting professionals ever get to see the entire breadth of a contract in their career. Most of them are either, you know, in, the, in what we call the pre-award phase, which is they're getting ready to do a source selection and establish a contract or in the post-award administration of a contract where they're working with a contractor, maybe modifying things as requirements change, but they very rarely get to see how their decisions play out over the entire life cycle of a contract, which I think is invaluable. You know, there, there's no loss of transfer of learning because it's continuous all the way through the cohort. And that's one of the other things that sets the present training apart. Hey, and Bob, um... The other thing I think too in, in the program is the students actually produce contract artifacts, whereas the previous traditional classroom-based training, um, oftentimes really great scenarios that are thrown into the, you know, the curriculum, but there's never enough time to really produce artifacts. To me, it felt very theoretical. I think a program like Acquisition Career Gateway really enables the student to produce artifacts, get feedback, get that coaching, um, so that again, when they they get back to the job or they enter the profession, they really have that confidence and competence to produce the documents that are required as part of the acquisition lifecycle. 
Oh, that's a critical point, Melissa. Thank you. And as a matter of fact, they take all those artifacts with them when they complete the program in an entire portfolio of the work that they have done throughout the, the whole cohort. And they've also established their first professional network with all the members of their cohort so that they can keep in touch and reach out. You know, if they ever have questions while they're back on the job, they've got people that they can relate to and, and network with uh, going forward in their career. I'm just going to add real quickly, I, I kind of liken it to a teaching hospital concept, right? That the the program is staffed with expert practitioners who have actually done the job, have walked in the shoes of contracting officers. And so they're able to really be there alongside of the student, coaching them, helping them uh, navigate the process, produce the documents. And, and I just think that's going to be the, a trend of the future that has to be, uh, you know, part of part of the plan for developing acquisition professionals. Yeah, no, it really sounds like you all are applying, you know, some of the, the leading practices from learning science of, you know, you don't just put someone in a classroom and give them some theory and expect them to regurgitate it a few months later if they haven't applied it in any way kind of the, the, the tactical connection between that learning, the doing, and then having peers who you can pressure check and test your, your ideas, your understanding of that content against seems really key. And, and you all have mentioned these cohorts a few times, kind of two questions to help our audience understand what those look like. How many people are in a cohort at a time? And are they just federal employees or are they mixed uh, populations of uh, contractor uh, personnel and federal personnel? So those are good questions, Jason. So first of all, that the size for a cohort is between 24 and 30 students. And if you get over 30, it starts to get a little bit cumbersome to be able to have the, that hands-on coaching that we have designed in it to take place. It could probably occur with less than 24, but but that's sort of the optimal sweet spot between 24 and 30. And, and while I'm on it, something else that sort of sets this aside is this is not a, as we might call it, a sage on this type of training, right? Where if you can envision the typical professor or instructor up there on a podium, sort of trying to teach the students what they need to know, we have a facilitator that runs this. This is true adult learning. The workforce members are responsible for their own learning. They're given guidance, they're given a framework, and they're given, you know, decision space that they need to be able to operate in. And the facilitator gives them feedback, guides them, coaches them, you know, was that an optimal decision? Was it a less than optimal decision? You know, what things might you have looked at that you didn't? You know, what things did you look at that maybe others can emulate? Uh, and those types of discussions will go on uh, in, in the feedback sessions that we've got designed in this. No, I think that, that that seems like a big difference of, you know, facilitator plus coaches versus a, a teacher or your manager who's who's kind of just up there at, at the front of the room. But it sounds like the expectations on both sides of the table are, are a little bit different in this context and that there's, you know, some mutual commitment, including from the students that, you know, they need to put as much into it as they're going to get out is what it sounds like. Absolutely. And, and another key element of this, this program is that it is outcome focused. And the outcomes uh, basically take on a, a couple of different uh, bents, if you will. The first type of outcome we're talking about is that the students in being responsible for the decision making they do throughout the cohort, there are outcomes that are expected from that decision, right? Some, some of it is artifacts that Melissa had mentioned. Some of it is um, decision recommendations, maybe to uh, the head of acquisition for a particular agency to help them frame what they have to do. The other kind of outcome that we're really focused on is the cohort itself is focused on producing the most mission ready workforce members that can possibly have as a result of an initial uh, scenario. So th that's why we go from beginning to end in the life of a contract. That's why it's a continuous cohort of nine months and, and we're really focused on producing the best outcome possible at the end of that, which is someone who's ready to be a, a, a member of the workforce that can be contributing to that agency right away. No, love that so much. One last word, Melissa. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, too, and I think the more ready they are, 
the more engaged, the more productive they're going to be, and the more likely they're going to stay. Because this is a this is a tough business. It's a great business. It's high impact. It's really important work for our country. Um, but if you don't properly prepare people, they might get frustrated and they might leave. And and I will tell you, this is a high demand, low supply, <laughs> um, you know, kind of uh, proposition here. Trying to attract people into this field. You know, when they've got lots of other choices, we need we owe it to these candidates to really best prepare them so that they can be successful, that they want to stay. They want to continue to grow and learn in this space. No, I, I think that that is a super critical point as we're here one month out from the end of the government's fiscal year. And we know all of our acquisition workforce folks are, are, are leaving it all out there on the field. And, and so you make a great point. We don't want to spend time training someone up just for them to decide this ain't for me. Um, that's, that's a really important point. We have to pause here for our second break. We're going to dive back into this conversation after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. It's true what they say. A good smile is irresistible. In fact, I can't help myself from smiling right now. That's because I have Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. I pay no deductible for in-network services like fillings and root canals. Plus, my in-network preventive care is fully covered, including three cleanings a year. And plans start as low as $20 a month. See what we can do for you at vcvsfepdental.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show, talking about the trends, changes, and training needs for the federal acquisition workforce. Uh, and right before the break, we had a really interesting conversation that I want to uh, keep going down the path on. And, and it is this notion that this experiential learning um, can be a critical strategy for the government in not only preparing people to be successful in their roles, but also addressing uh, challenges on employee engagement, attrition, and uh, kind of the, the outsized skew of, of the, the workforce shape for the acquisition workforce where you have a lot of very senior folks, a lot of very uh, junior folks, but less of kind of that, that middle of the population. And I think that there's a lot of different lenses that come through there, but um, maybe we'll start with you, Melissa, just to unpack this a bit more. And then, and then Bob, I want to kind of hear your thoughts on this topic as well. So I, I would say anybody that is entering this career field or is interested in getting into it, the opportunities are so tremendous given the, the number of right, retirees that we're expecting to see. Um, kind of we've been hearing about this for a while now, but definitely starting to to see more and more of it happening. I, I for one, retired from the federal government last year, um, but still very passionate about this space and want to continue to contribute to to really, you know, be the cheerleader for what a great career field it is, the impact that you can have, um, the opportunities that you can have. Um, I, you know, I've, I've observed over the years that contracting officers are very uh, well desired from program offices. And so I've seen a number of contracting officers over the years get stolen away to the program offices. And I think uh, at the end of the day, that's good for the agency, because I think contracting officers know how to navigate the process and can bring real value to the program offices. They, they certainly can accelerate the, the acquisition lifecycle timeframe because there's there's less learning involved. And so uh, I think uh, the, the career field opens up all sorts of opportunities for you uh, to branch out into other areas of the agency. Uh, but again, I think anybody that's interested in getting into it, anybody that's brand new in it, the, the opportunities for advancement 
um, are tremendous for you. And we, we need people to really engage fully um, and, uh, and, and it will reward them, I believe, if, if they put a lot of effort and energy into this. Oh, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons why you'll sometimes see contracting professionals move from agency to agency or program to program is that their primary role is that of strategic business advisor to the head of the agency. And so when you find people who are really adept, they become in high demand and, and agencies want them to come to work. So you'll, you'll see this movement sometimes. And, and that's good. It's good for the career field because it, it, it freshens, if you will, the, the look because you get people with an outside opinion and outside experience coming into an agency with fresh ideas. Uh, the other thing that and Melissa had mentioned it is, is there's a lot of senior people um, retiring and, and dropping off the roles, if you will. And if you look at any workforce map, if you will, in almost any agency out there, what the composition of the work is, it kind of resembles what we lovingly refer to as a bathtub, right? You've got this, this big chunk of senior people who are, are the more experienced organization and who are either retiring or getting ready to retire and, and fall off the workforce roles. And you've got a, a bunch of new people or within the first couple of years of their career who are out there. And then the bathtub, if you can think of it, that, that shallow space in the middle is where middle and senior management is. And, and there's not as many people who are there or ready to be there. And so one of the, the concepts that really helps fill that gap in the middle is experiential learning. And so when you take people who are brand new to the career field and you immerse them in training that forces them to make decisions that they'll have to be making on the job and forces them to collaborate with peers, that really sort of readies them for those decisions and, and that supervisory role that they're going to have to take on the job. In fact, go through programs like this are accelerated in their career typically over folks who just have typical uh, technical training and, and don't have those interpersonal skills or the soft skills development. So programs like Career Gateway Acquisition will help ready people to fill those middle gaps and will help agencies with a, a more ready pool of supervisory talent that they can promote into those positions as people leave and as people move up within the organization. And, and experiential training, by the way, is not new. This concept has been around for a number of years um, in the uh, private colleges and universities and even in some corporate training space, but it really hasn't been applied at the beginning of somebody's career in government. And so that's what's revolutionary about this. Uh, and, and it can really serve to, to give people sort of an honor as to the decisions that they're going to have to make, the field that they're going to have to play in and collaborate with, with their peers and sort of give them a that look and feel context, if you will, uh, ahead of time before they have to launch into it within the agency itself. And I, I would say, Bob, too, that this career field, no day ever goes as planned. And so there's always curveballs that are thrown your way. And I think this program builds some of that into it by design. Um, and again, it gives a safe space for that student to practice their response to that curveball. Uh, mm -hmm. get feedback and and make adjustments. So I, I think that's just so critical. And again, because we're in a virtual work environment, I think a program like this is going to be even more critical moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, I'm I, I'm full of metaphors. I use them in my daily life. You know, and, and this is describing is kind of like trying to herd cats. Right. It's chaotic at best. They don't want to be hurt. They're going to go in all different directions. In fact, now you're doing it in a virtual space where the cats exist somewhere else. And you're still trying to throw your arms around all this chaos that that is in a typical day and, and, and create the space where decisions can be made and the ball can be moved forward for an agency because uh, the mission persists. Right. It's just that there's a, there are daily challenges that confront acquisition directing professionals, that they really need to develop those skill sets to help them through. And, and some sort of experiential process is really going to give them more of a comfort zone uh, that they'll they'll be able to, to manage this on the job itself. Well, Bob, you mentioned that, you know, uh, uh, 
a key role that acquisition professionals and particularly contracting officers play is that strategic business advisor role within their organization. And it strikes me that both the the experiential learning, but also the network of peers, you know, being cultivated is really key on two fronts, you know, both for you, you might have been there before, you might have some strategies to get through this, but you also have folks that you can call on who can help you, whether they're within or without your organization. And to me, that seems really powerful when we're, you know, kind of dealing with these novel challenges, especially these days with you know, whether it's pandemic, new technology, what have you. Um, I'm just curious, any reactions to that? Because it really stuck out to me. Well, certainly. And in fact, the distributed work environment we have today makes networking and collaboration even more critical. Uh, and in fact, we know that, that, that we don't know everything, right? And so we're uh, on the job and you're faced with a decision that maybe you haven't had to make before, right? It's a new challenge. Then you've got a network you can reach out to and say, hey, you know what? I'm faced with something right now that I really haven't quite done something like this before. Have any of you folks got any experience in this kind of decision? And, and what are the pitfalls? What are the risks you ran into? And how did you kind of run those traps? You know, not that it's necessarily the same sort of product or the same service because agencies are different, right? But maybe you can reach out to your network for a little bit of support there to say, oh, yeah, hey, you know what? I tried this before. You, you might want to look at this thing do some research here or collaborate with these folks in, in trying to make this decision. And, and so that, that safety net, if you will, of having a network of peers to be able to pull on is, is absolutely critical in our distributed work environment. And I would say, I think just human behavior, especially new people are afraid to ask that dumb question, right? And so, especially of their supervisor or peer in their existing organization. And so having that network of peers through a program like this, again, gives them that safe space um, that they can pressure test ideas, you know, get feedback um, ra rather than going to somebody in their own organization. And, you know, kind of on that vein, I wanted to, to come back to you, Melissa. I know that you have been involved in the federal acquisition community and Bob as well for a long time. And I wanted to ask a question about the role of professional organizations like the National Contract Management Association and others. And kind of how do they fit into this picture, whether on the professional skill side or on the professional network side? So I guess I'll go first. Um, I, I would not have had the career that I had uh, had I not been involved with the National Contract Management Association over the years. I remember I'm an intern with the Navy, brand new, uh, and and my, my peer interns had suggested that I join NCMA. And so getting involved early on really helped me cultivate a network of peers across industry, government, DOD, civilian agencies, and so the networking is phenomenal. In addition, the learning that occurs through their national events that they hold throughout the year, great content uh, to, to learn from. Um, and then they also have great certification programs that really, you know, exemplify that you are a master, uh, you know, at certain levels in your career. And so um, I think it's a wonderful organization and I really feel so blessed to have been a part of it and continue to be a part of it to this day. So now that's a critical uh, point there, Melissa. NCMA, the National Contract Management Association, and its two primary roles, number one, they maintain the standards by which we all operate. So the contract management standard and the contract management body of knowledge, which are maintained by NCMA, actually is the backbone for career gateway acquisition. Uh, they are ANSI approved industry standards that, that um, everybody in the profession adheres to. Uh, and the other role that they've got primarily is as a convener. There are a number of conferences and, and that they promote and sponsor during the year that as a convener, they bring all of these acquisition and contracting professionals together. And they sponsor training events at these two where there are presentations by members of the association, by members of the acquisition and contracting community educational in nature and it's it's this convening of all these folks that that you create new networks from 
Yeah, man, I, I just bring that up both because uh, wearing another hat in my life, we work with management concepts, and I know that the company is involved with a lot of different professional organizations across the government and just think that they're uh, another value-added place, as you both discussed, where people are getting together to talk about these things and to build those networks um, across the board. And uh, it's really great that, you know, the government is adhering and following these these kind of professional industry standards in this space in the acquisition workforce because it makes sure that everybody on the government side and on the industry side knows kind of where they're going um, and, and where they're striving for. Um, we have to pause to take our final break. This, this time has been going so quickly, um, and we're going to dive in uh, to our last segment after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. What makes good vision coverage? I knew it when I saw it. Things like fully covered vision care exams for all members, access to over 125,000 independent eye care providers and national retailers, plus benefits you can use at many online retailers. That's why I chose Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision. And plans start as low as $12 a month. See what we can do for you at bcbsfepvision.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show, talking about the uh, federal acquisition workforce. So let's just dive right in. And on this last segment, I, I kind of wanted to take a step back, um, actually, uh, to, to just talk about the future of, of learning and talent development within the federal government more broadly. Uh, Bob Management Concepts has been in this space for a real long time here in the government. And, and I understand that, that you all are seeing in, in this program, Acquisition Gateway, is, is an example of it, that a shift is needed. Um, can you just kind of tell us about what, what Management Concepts is thinking about here and what you all are starting to do, laying that vision forward? Oh, thanks, Jason. Um, as a matter of fact, Career Gateway Acquisition is a, a first to breed, if you will. And, and it's, it's a major step toward trying to transition or transform the way that training is in the federal government. And so I, I think what we need in the future is, is have training that, that better prepares our folks to, to perform in their jobs, that, that shows them the context of what they're learning and not just what they're, you know, why they're, why they're learning it uh, and, and sort of gives them that full 360 view, if you will, of, uh, of what training is preparing them for. It's it's interesting. And those of us that have been in this field for a long time, we've all kind of joked that we fell into the career field by accident. And um, I would love nothing more than to have students that are in college or even high school students starting to begin thinking about a career in acquisition as a really good career path. And currently today, it's not. I mean, you'll see colleges and universities offer a contract management career track. Um, but they're few and far between. And as I said earlier, I think this career field, if you are looking for a career field where you have opportunity to have high impact for our nation, the work that I've had the opportunity to work on, I, I just can't believe that I that I was able to, to work on really important programs for our citizenry, for our country. And this career field affords you of that opportunity. And by the way, it's also very lucrative. If you are good at what you do, the, the advancement opportunities are tremendous and it pays very well. And because as, as um, Bob mentioned earlier, the strategic business advisor role, no agency mission can happen without contracting officers. And so this career field gives you that opportunity and the acquisition career gateway, gateway, right? <laughs> to me, it's the perfect bridge between a student in college that wants to enter the federal government um, and, and really be able to hit the ground running um, once they're placed into contracting operations. So I just wanted to kind of get that plug in because my hope would be that high school students and college students are really starting to think about this career field as a career of choice, not something that they fell into by accident. No, I really appreciate you you saying these things, Melissa, and your clear passion for this profession, this field. And 
And I think that, you know, I'd add that there are opportunities directly for the government and on the other side of the fence. And, and that's where the fact that this is a, a profession with options and that it's really about the skills and capability and the network you can build become really critical. You can contribute to the government mission you, without necessarily working directly for the government. And uh, we need to tell that story a bit better. Obviously, we want folks to, as many to, to sign up to be feds as we can, but I think it's an important clarification. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that about industry and going back to what Bob talked about earlier, NCMA holding the contract management standard enables a little bit more of that portability. I think the federal government had attempted to do that in the past, but with NCMA holding that contract management standard, now we're, we're all speaking the same common language. And so um, it can enable that portability uh, for contract management professionals to go back and forth between government and industry. And at the end of the day, I think that makes the, the acquisition ecosystem work even better. Um, and, and actually by design, I, I, you know, I actually stepped out for a couple of years, went to the private sector, as you said in, in the intro, that, that experience was so invaluable. I was able to bring so much back into government. And so I think we ought to be thinking about that too by design is, is you know, we shouldn't expect a contract management professional to come in and stay in that role for their 30 year career. We ought to be much more deliberate and thoughtful around them moving into different roles, moving to the program side, moving to industry, coming back into contracts. It gives you a much more holistic perspective of the end-to-end -end acquisition lifecycle, and it, it can enable you to be personally more effective and the, the uh, agency benefits significantly as a result of that. The other thing too is this program lends itself to mid-career change people. It's not just young people right out of college. This is, there are incredible skill sets that we can draw on from people that are mid-career. And so maybe we kind of go down that path, you know, cause I don't want people thinking this is just for, you know, young people, cause it's not, right, Bob? No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it can be a transitional career where you can float back and forth, if you will. Uh, and, and this career field is absolutely transferable, the skills that you develop between working in a federal government agency and, and working in industry. And, you know, that's where somebody like NCMA is critical because they maintain the standards that transition both sides of that fence, if you will, uh, and, and strategic partnerships with industry, you know, with standard bearers like NCMA and, and with government agencies are gonna be critical going into the future, especially in a distributed work environment. Uh, and so, you know, th th those those skills like flexibility and adaptability, uh, you know, and and uh, critical decision making skills that are honed through experience. Uh, those are going to be future workforce needs, if you will, uh, that, that are going to, I think, permeate what training needs to be in the future. And we see that. And that, that's why we're trying to lead this transformation and training away from simply a hey, let's, let's sort of check the block and, and let's make sure that we've got all the technical training done so that people are exposed to the, the what they need to know and, and sort of wrap in the why they need to know it and give them the context and give them the space to practice in a safe environment. You know, those types of decisions they're going to have to make and, and develop those collaborative skills. They're going to carry them forward in the career and are going to be essential to agencies going forward because you know, uh, the big collaboration word is so critical in a distributed environment that you'd be able to not only physically collaborate, but now how to, to collaborate with people when you're all in different places and you're using the modern tools, to, you know, to be online together and, and, and how to get that work done. And so this is the kind of training that really needs to go forward, more of a, of a, of a tools-based, how do we use these things, you know, how do we make decisions given a space where we can't sit across the table from each other and read the nuances, you know, on each other's face or body language? Uh, and, and how do we develop those those unique um, soft skills that that programs like career gateway acquisition help us develop? Yeah, no, I love it. And, and you you noted, Bob, that this is the beginning of a big turn and, and mm -hmm. kind of a, a proof in concept at, at management concepts. Like, are there any hints or some breadcrumbs you can can share with us on kind of where you're going next and or what you're learning already 
uh, from the cohorts that you've already run through? So, uh, like I said, this is a first to breed, right? And, and acquisition contracting being one of the larger segments of the government workforce. And as a matter of fact, it was the first segment that the company was founded on some 50 years ago. And so it's the largest business area of the company itself. We decided to start with, because there are very definable skills, there are very definable standards within acquisition and contracting. So that's where we took the first bite out of the apple, if you will. But there are other career fields that we will most notably transition to as well with this type of experiential training. And that, you know, financial management uh, is another one of those support disciplines that helps frame decisions that will probably do something in that space, uh, possibly the human resources space, you know, to try to prepare people, you know, that deal with benefits and things like that. Um, and, and really what we've been doing and will continue to do is work with agency leadership so that they understand the real benefits with this kind of preparatory training over the, the, the previous piecemeal type training that we got before where we don't lose that transition of skills, if you will, going from one you know, separated training event to another, that it's, it's more outcome focused and it is really a better investment for the agency. I was going to um, mention that um, and I and I think we're seeing some of this by companies like Management Concepts and some of the agencies that are uh, developing the acquisition workforce, where they're bringing the entire acquisition team together to learn together, right? So you bring your finance people and your program managers, your cores, your contracting, uh, and and you're you're teaching them the same subject material, and so they're learning together instead of learning in silos. And so I think that's very effective. We're seeing that at the course level. I would love to see that at the cohort-based level. Imagine entry-level people coming to work for the government or industry, and they're in a, in a program such as Acquisition Career Gateway, where you've got the integrated acquisition team going through this experiential learning cohort-based program, and then what a great foundation to propel their career forward once they graduate from a program like that and the relationships because again you're relying on other people to get this work done and if if you've got friends over in finance you've got friends over in program um, that you can lean on as you get back and you really start executing against the work that's before you the power of that is absolutely incredible Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for that final word. Uh, Melissa Storinsky, uh, Bob Doherty for Management Concepts. Thank you both for being here so much. Uh, for our audience, if you want to learn more about what we've been talking about today, I encourage you to go to managementconcepts.com and search for the Career Gateway Acquisition, and you can dig into what we've been talking about here today. This has been a really wide-ranging conversation focusing on our critical acquisition workforce here in the federal government, and I'm really appreciative to Melissa and Bob for joining us. Uh, that's all the time we've got here on Fed Talk. Uh, Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a wonderful rest of the day.